Well, while you kids are settling back down, I've got a question for you kids. You guys have just participated in a nativity play. How many times do you think a nativity play has been reenacted in the history of the world? If you think about every town, every village, every city, every church for 2,000 years, this story of Jesus' birth would have to be one of the most told stories, wouldn't you agree? The most reenacted story. So there's something very special about this baby Jesus, very, very special about who, who this Jesus is. And as a church, in the last couple of weeks, we've been doing a a message series called Come and See. And the whole point of this is that just as we see and view this nativity play, as this story has been told time and time and time again, that we wouldn't just observe it, we wouldn't just look at it and, and maybe sort of think funny things about it, but there would actually be a moment where we think about what is being said. Because this story is the most amazing story in the world. And it has been told thousands and thousands of times for a very good reason. And that reason is that if we believe in this child, this Jesus, the Son of God, we have eternal life with him. And it's just a most amazing thing. So there's this there's this aha moment for many of us as we look at the nativity play, as we retell the Christmas story, as we think about shepherds and wise men and sheep, that we go, ah, oh, I get it. I understand. And not only that, but I believe. It's a bit like a comedian who tells a good joke. If he tells the punchline well, everyone gets it and laughs and, and they think it's a, a great funny thing. My dad, hi dad if you're still watching online, my dad, he used to tell this one joke and it was sort of his joke and I'm going to tell it to you now and I hope that you get it and if you don't, you'll understand the reason for my illustration. He said, there are two sailors who are scrubbing the deck of a boat and one said, where's the soap? And the other said, yes it does. (laughs) I'll just let that just sort of click, click, click in your minds for a little while. But there comes a time where you go, ah, I get it, where the penny drops, where there's this aha moment in your mind where you not only think it's funny, but you understand. And it's the same with the story of Christmas. It's the same as we look at the nativity play. There's a time where we go, ah, I understand. And if I really truly understand the message of what's being said here, there comes a point where I actually need to believe in it in order to receive the good news that this story is about. So we're going to look quickly this morning at one of the words of Jesus, which was the Son of God. The narrators said that when the angel came to Mary, he would be uh, declared to be the Son of God. If you can put the first slide up, thanks. Well, not that one. Um, So we're going to be looking at that this morning. And as we do that, I want us to be like that aha moment in the joke that we would comprehend what it means for Jesus to come into our world. That perhaps as we go from here, we wouldn't go back into to Christmas as just being about tinsel and presents and food, 
but it would actually be about something of significance and something of meaning for you and for I. In fact, I don't know if you've uh, seen this, um, this cartoon that's been doing its rounds on social media, but I think it's pretty apt. As Father Christmas talks to Jesus, he says, there's no way you can understand the pain of seeing something you begin as a free expression of love being turned into a major commercial enterprise. <laughs> now, of course, Jesus could understand that because that's actually what's happened. And what we want to do is just bring it back. What is the meaning? What is the purpose? There are four Gospels in the New Testament that talk about who Jesus was, and three of them mention the Christmas story. Mark doesn't mention the Christmas story. He goes straight to the point. He wants to get to the point of who Jesus is and what he did on earth to be our saviour. But I want to start with the very first lines from Mark. Mark says, this is the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. Mark starts out by declaring who Jesus is, that Jesus is the Messiah, or some translations would say he is the Christ. Now, the Messiah is the promised one who is going to come from God and he was going to confront what was wrong in the world and make it right. That's just a simple explanation of what a Messiah is. The promised one that was going to come, confront what was wrong and to make it right. So Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus was a common name back then, kids. You know that? Uh, many people were called Jesus. But to distinguish a person from another, they had their surname, which wasn't a surname. It was actually what they did. So we've got, for example, lots of Davids in our church. So we would say David, the sound engineer. Or we would say David, the policeman. Or we'd say uh, David, the IT expert. And that would be how you describe a person. So what this is saying is that Jesus is distinguished as this is his job, this is his role, this is the reason he came. He was the Messiah, the promised one who was going to come confront what was wrong and make it right. And he is the son of God. And in the Christmas story, in the Nativity play, there are many times where he's mentioned as the son of God. In fact, we, we sang about it in Isaiah 9 verse 6. For us, a child is born to us, a son is given. And as I mentioned, when uh, Elizabeth and Mary were um, confronted by this angel that appeared to them, he'll be great and he'll be called the son of the most high. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, we've got a problem in our uh, human minds is that when we think about a son or a daughter, straight away we come to think about uh, that son or daughter comes into being when they're born and you become a father or a mother when you have a daughter or a son. Like it's to do with the relationship of, of creation. So when we talk about the Son of God, sometimes we can think that that's the same as it is with Jesus. In fact, kids, when I was younger, I'm going to confess something here, I thought something wrong, untheological about God. And you might even be amazed at this today as well. Do you know that I used to think that Jesus started his life when he was born in Bethlehem? that that was the day he was born, that's when he first arrived, and that's the first day of his life. Now, if that was true, that would be contradicting what the New Testament and the Bible tells us about who Jesus is. 
In John, it says the word was God and was with God in the beginning. And so Jesus didn't just start his life when he was born in that stable in Bethlehem. Jesus was with God in the beginning. He always was God. In fact, Colossians talks about the fact that he is supreme and through him all things were made. Creation was formed and he sustains all things and he's going to come back again. So this son of God didn't just begin at Christmas but existed for all time. This is the amazing thing about the Christmas story is that he existed as the son of God. That's his title. Kids, what would you say would be the most famous Bible verse in the world? Anyone want to have a go? Yeah. John 3.16. You know, in John 3.16, it said, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This is the good news about the Christmas story, that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit were with each other and enjoyed communion and had a wonderful relationship with each other. But God so loved the world. And now that world includes you, that world includes me. It doesn't just mean all the people who have got their lives together. God so loved your world that he gave his son, who had been with him for all time, through all creation, through all time, that relationship, he was willing to offer that up in order for you to have life and for your wrong to be made right. Now, I think that is just incredible. In fact, this verse says that God so loved. Sometimes when I think about that, I think he's, John's like a, a teenager. Hey, man, he so loved the world. <laughs> But what he's saying there is that his love was so extravagant, so over the top, so lavishing that he would give his son in order that we would have our lives together and right. Now, I'm going to say something now that might sound a bit selfish, that might sound a bit strange. My wife's looking at me going, what is he about to say? <laughs> She's nodding her head. I have, I have six children and I love them to bits and I think the world of them and I just love being family together and I love you guys and I care for you guys very much so and but there comes a point where I'll be honest and I'll say for you to have your life right if it meant that I would give up one of my children in order to make your world okay I don't know. I don't know if I'd be willing to do that. I don't know if I'd be willing to give up my beloved child in order that you might have the life that you've been designed for. But God so loves you that much that he was willing to give up his one and only son. Now, in some translations, the old King James says, begotten son. That's an interesting word. I'm not going to go into it. But one way of translating that means the one and only. A bit like when you put on a show and you say, ladies and gentlemen, the one and the only, blah, 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 blah. What they're saying, what John is saying here, that Jesus is the one and the only. There is no one like him. There was no one as loved by the Father as the Son. And yet he was given up for us. 
so that we might have life. And I just think that's the most amazing thing about the Christmas story, that the Son of God would choose to take on human form, to become into our world, to take on our flesh, to, to die our death in order that we might have true life, to be the Messiah, to confront what was wrong and to make it right. Now, I don't know where you are in your year, in your Christmas time. This year's been crazy for pretty much our whole world. But you might have some things that are wrong. You might have some things that are broken. You might have some things that are frustrations. The good news about what we just saw in front of us is that the Son of God came into our world to confront those things and to make them right. And the second part of this verse is that whoever believes in him, this is the aha moment. This is the I get it. This is the I'm going to take it from an observation, from watching from the sidelines to I get it and I want to jump in and I want to be part of it. I want to believe. Whoever believes in him won't perish but will have eternal life because of what Jesus has done. In fact, there was someone who declared that in the Bible. I'm going from Christmas to Easter. There was a centurion at the base of the cross who watched what happened for Jesus there as he gave his life up for us. It says in Mark 15, when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, surely this was the Son of God. And so I want to pray for you as you head into your Christmas season, as you think about the story of Christmas, that Jesus and the nativity and the shepherds and the angels wouldn't just be another story, wouldn't just be another thing to look at and observe, but it would be something to see and comprehend and ultimately believe in order that you would not have to perish but have eternal life. John says in 1 John 5, we also know that the Son of God has come and given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. He's come into this world so that we not only can observe and look from afar, but that we can actually know him. He's come into this world so that we can know him. And that is my prayer for you this Christmas season. Will you join me as I pray? Lord Jesus, we thank you that you existed before all time and you created all things and you sustain all things. That Jesus, you as the Son of God were in perfect communion and yet you are willing to come into our world and suffer and die and to confront what is wrong in order to make it right again. And so Jesus, at this Christmas season, we, we think about all the things in our own lives whether it be unbelief, whether it be family troubles, whether it be stresses, whether it be insecurity, insecurity, whatever it is, Lord, we just offer those things to you now and ask that you, as the Son of God, would come and make those things right. And Lord, I just want to pray for anyone who perhaps is, is not yet across the line and feels like they really truly understand and comprehend what this story means. 
Lord, even as we sing, as we pray right now, if they're just leaning into you, Lord, would you touch their hearts? Lord, if there's anyone watching online right now who is pondering the things of Christmas and pondering the things of their life, would you touch their life right now? And, Lord, we just pray that just like that first Christmas, that you came into the world, that you would come into our world right now and that you would make yourself known. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.